This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, y'all? This is uh, Practicing Presence, and we're talking about um, the traditionalists today. Yeah, so we're still in Gary Thomas's book, Sacred Pathways, Learning Your Unique Soul's Path to God. And the second one in the book is The Traditionalist. Third one. We did The Naturalist, The Sensate, and now we're on The Traditionalist. Oh, you're right. We did yeah. do The Sensate. Yeah, we did do The Sensate. And if you didn't catch those last two, um, you should go back and listen to them. Yeah, we did do The Sensate. I'm sorry, I forgot. Um but yeah, so now we're on the traditionalist, and oddly enough, it's probably the one that everybody knows. Probably. Um, now, I think we, because it's been most common, and probably it's most common because it's the one that's been forced upon people. Yeah. Um, it's also the one that's gotten the worst rap. Like. Yeah, and, and that's something I wanted to say is uh, in, in the, the intro to the podcast or when we first started um, talking about sacred pathways we mentioned um the the traditionalist briefly right we talked about the people that do the same thing every day they sit down at their desk or at their kitchen table or whatever and they read their bible they have seven minutes of prayer however long it is with a cup of coffee and they boom they go on their day yep right um those are the traditionalists yep so um i found a thing um that i wish i had found earlier but it, it's a, a little PDF from cccgo.com. Um, I don't know anything else about it, so I can't give sight. We'll link it in the show notes. For yeah, everybody. we can do that. Um, but the traditionalist says, so it says that the traditionalists love God through their senses. Uh, sorry, that's wrong. Traditionalists. <laughs> that's the sensei, bro. That's the sensei. Traditionalists love God through religious ritual and symbols. These people worship through traditions and sacraments of the church. They believe structure, repetition, and rigidity, like weekly liturgy, leads to deeper understanding of God and faith. Yeah, that's a pretty good ex description. The only thing that I would point out is that Gary actually includes a third category. So they talk about, in, in their description, they talk about ritual mm. and symbols. Gary includes sacrifice. Which mm. I think is important because it determines how they have gotten the bad rap. Mm. Okay. And so we're going to talk about that at the end because I want to go through them. Um, but so Gary has these three categories for the traditionalists. And the first one is ritual. And we should think about ritual in the way that you would that if something's a ritual, you do it again and again and again. Yeah. Right, so for worship services, we would call a ritual worship service, uh, like when we say that, we would think about... Like a like, Catholic mask. Like a very high church, Catholic yeah. mask, 
um, an Anglican service, like yeah. someone that was at a very high church, a strong liturgy, and they did the exact same thing every day. And even probably um, went according to like a, um, a lectionary in their mm. preaching calendar. So like just yeah. very, very structured in the way that they approach it. And and don't get done, like there's value to that for the people that can experience God in that way. Um, I think a part of me actually is drawn to that a bit. Yeah, I think so. It, so let me preface this. If you haven't ever attended a liturgical yeah. or a high church service, you should go. You absolutely should. Uh, go. There's a lot of value and a lot of experiences that happen with God in those services. Yeah. To another point that I would say is if you're not in that one of those traditions, don't think that you don't have ritual. Right. Because very few churches change their order of service or the way they do things every week. You show up, you drink your coffee, you shake hands, you go into the sanctuary, you hear some announcements, you do three songs, there's a sermon, there's some more songs, and then everybody goes home. Yeah, That's the to, basic template. To some extent. Um, yeah, for sure. To some extent. Every, every church has a liturgy. Yeah. The question is whether or not you identify it as that. Yeah. So don't don't think that you're don't have ritual uh, in your church service. Even even down to the point that in a lot of churches it's so structured that you know how long your pastor is going to preach. Yeah, if, if you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> Some people would say would make that joke saying that like, oh hey, our pastor only preaches for like twenty minutes. It's great. We get to go home and before kickoff, right? Yeah. Or there are some people that they, hey man, you're going to love it here. Our pastor preaches 55 minutes. And then some people leave. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It, we all have rituals that we experience. Of course. And then to another element, I mean, ritual goes farther out than that. I mean, Ritual can, so that's a, a kind of a weekly ritual, yeah. but how many of us have other rituals that we may not identify as Christian rituals, but are great example is what you do as a Christian at Christmas. Mm. Do you go to a candlelight service? Does your church do Advent? Yeah. Um, do you go to a Christmas Eve service? Um, how do you incorporate Jesus into the Christmas experience? Are you a Santa only and just do Jesus on the outskirts or do you, a lot of families bake Jesus a birthday cake? Mm. Uh, those are rituals in, in which we experience God through. So I've got a, a question. Mm -hmm. Would blessing food fall into this category? Um, Like saying a prayer before you eat? It could or it could not okay and so the difference that i would make would be if you say the same basic template every time mm -hmm. it could be a ritual so a lot of people would say the exact same prayer every time mm -hmm. i know a lot of families that say the lord's prayer before yeah. every meal but then there are a lot of families that say the 
same kind of basic thing every time, maybe with a few words interchanged. I mean, so our yeah. family does this. Well, we, I know I say the exact same prayer every time I bless food. Okay, so how do you bless food? Uh, Lord, bless this food, help us nourish our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> yeah, so I say that very same thing uh, most of the time. I have been, so you've probably been a little bit more influenced by me. Oh, I've been praying that prayer since I was like, if you ask mom, I've been yeah. praying that prayer since I was like four. Well, but we all been praying that prayer. I mean, that's because fair, we yeah. got it from dad. But if yeah. you remember, dad incorporates another element of it, which is and bless the hands that prepared it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, okay, so that that's become a ritual in our family. We know, yeah. and we even have jokes about it. Like yeah. people come over, and it's like, oh, y'all pray so quick. Like, yeah, this ain't the time to catch up on your prayer life. <laughs> we had a, a one of our well goers this past weekend. I, I bless her. I bless the food or something. And he goes, uh, that was a good prayer. That was a good prayer. And I was like, yeah, if you need to catch up on your prayer life, there's another time to do it. Yeah, It, it ain't, ain't, it ain't, ain't food time. Ain't when I'm waiting to eat my food. <laughs> it ain't food yeah. time. So that, that's kind of become a ritual in our yeah. family. But if you come from a more spontaneous, charismatic background, and like that's actual a devoted time of prayer for you, and it's yeah. different, yeah. and maybe, maybe it's more of a corporate element where everyone at the table – it participates or a few different people at the table participate that that's a yeah. different that that's maybe not a ritual in the same extent but it's ritualistic and that you know that you're going to have a time of prayer before sure. every meal yeah okay well that that answers the question and um maybe think about that like and don't change it if it works right but think about that like try to find elements of your life that work that are traditionalistic yeah, well, because we all have them. Yeah. I think that's important to note. Uh, traditionalists get beat up on because they're the most common and they're rigid. I mean, they have a structure to them. And so for some of the more creative types or people that don't fit into their particular structure, they get upset at the traditionalists, but then they forget that they themselves have their own rituals. Yeah. it. So th it doesn't fit specifically into the category of, of spiritual traditionalism but if the first thing you do every morning is get up and get a cup of coffee that's, that's a tradition a, that's, that's a ritual yeah so that or or even to another extent if you can't have your devotion time without a cup of coffee yeah that has become a spiritual ritual yeah i have a hard time doing that i i have to have my coffee um whenever i do uh my quiet time yeah so typically. i think we, we all have, or or maybe even we could take it a step further to the place that you sit when you do your mm. devotion time. Yeah. Uh, like our mom, she sits in the same place every morning to do her time of devotion. Well, so does dad. Oh, yeah, he sits at his desk. He sits yeah. at his desk every morning. I don't. I intentionally move around, mm. but I'm also a person that likes change for the sake of change. Right. Um. So I move around a lot. I also got two toddlers that force me to move around a lot. So I don't do it the same way every day. Um, yeah. Most of the time I'm sitting at my desk. There are some times that I'll go outside um, and sit on the back porch with a pipe and do my, uh, and do my stuff, but not always. Um, you seem like you resonate with sensates a lot. I do. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we all have these rituals that um, we have. Think if your church messed with your candlelight service on Christmas Eve or if Easter or Lent didn't live up to your 
standard or what you expected if your church does Advent, right? It, any of these are all rituals, whether you want to accept them as that yeah. or not. Um, or they and, all have ritualistic elements, at least. Yeah, that's fair. Because um, your Advent season at your church may be different every year, but the fact that you do Advent is a ritual. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and some people, if I so I have a ritual about like this for me. Um, I I don't get to it every day, but I try every day. It's um it's become a ritual for me that whenever I go to eat lunch, and this is a problem because I don't always eat lunch at the same time every day. But whenever I go to eat lunch, I pray the hours. Mm. So go out and Google praying the hours and any number of thousands of resources will come up about what that is. But praying the hours is a dedicated time where everyone that's in a tradition that prays the hours and within an allotted time is saying the same prayer together. Uh, it's this very... It's a surreal moment to know that you're all praying the same thing at the same time. So you're all praying for the same act of God to happen. Mm. It's become a ritual for me. And so scheduled times of prayer can also be a ritual. Yeah. If if you do this with your children, that before you go to bed every night, you say your prayers, that's a ritual. Yeah. I, I've started trying to get into this thing. I don't do it every day, um, but um, the... Remember the app that I downloaded that's based off the Common Book of Prayer? Yeah, vaguely. Um, they have morning, midday, and evening prayers on there. That's praying the hours. That oh, that is. That's what. what that is. Yeah, that's what that is. Okay, yeah. then I do that too sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just try to make sure that I do the midday prayer at lunch. Yeah, that's what, about what I try to do. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's just a, a thing that I've started doing. Um, but I talk about it a lot on here. The the Apple Watch and the breath, like the breathing exercises that you get notified, I try to take those times to do breath prayers. Mm. Um, and I always try to do one right when I'm like getting ready to go to bed. Mm. I always try to do a breath prayer at the end. Um, and that leads me into an, a time of examine, right? Praying the examine prayer, which we'll talk about at another time. But I always try to do that right before I go to bed because it's a good day to reflect. It's a good time to reflect on the day. Yeah. Those have become rituals for me. So all of this to say, like we all have rituals or things about us that are traditionalist in that yeah. regard. The second category that Gary talks about is symbols, and part of this goes with their structure that. We're busy people. We kind of bounce around in our head a lot. And so a lot of the time what happens is we forget, but we don't want to forget. Mm -hmm. And so we create these symbols to remind us. The most common ones of these would be a cross. Do you have crosses yeah. around? Um, which is oddly enough, very strange because as Christians, we would say that the cross is not the defining moment. Right. But the resurrection? Yeah. And we don't have empty tombs around. We have yeah. crosses. Well, I think that the cross is easier to, <laughs> to use. Um, well, it's definitely easier, like, as a symbol. Yeah. yeah. Or um, uh, to another one, this is not, you know, I don't, let me know somehow. Message us on Instagram or on Facebook um, it, or if you're on YouTube. 
comment below yeah. if if you find this or do this in your own tradition. But I don't I don't see it as much as I used to. But the fish is a oh, symbol of yeah. being a Christian. Uh, I don't see it as much, but that that's a that's a longstanding like symbol of Christendom. Yeah, and, and there's lots of symbols within Christianity. There are so many that it's easy to lose count. Um, well, uh, an easy one for a lot of people, and even people that are more contemporary in their expression, the steeple. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, or the stained glass windows. Yeah. I mean, th- those are all symbols because they symbolize something. They embody right. something for you that's spiritual. Yeah. Uh, pews. Yeah. One that's m- more common in um, Protestant expressions is the three circles to represent oh, the Trinity. Oh, the Trinity, yeah. Um, that That's more common. It, it's still not super common because, sadly, um, Protestants don't put as much value on these symbols um well because we've we've went too far we've swung the pendulum so far because we're afraid of idolatry right we've gotten rid of symbolism and iconography right uh which which are both very valuable absolutely in experiencing god yeah um so i think there's like maybe maybe some work that we need to do to swing that back uh, to the yeah. middle, but so all that to say, these are, these are big kind of symbols, but, uh, dad, when you're listening to this, I hope you don't mind that I'm about to tell this story, but I think it's a great, a great story that you can have personal symbols. So I remember being a kid and for, we went to a church that for father's day every year, they blessed all the fathers in the room with some kind of gift uh, and one particular year, it was a, a special coin, and it had like some Bible verse on it about being a, a good father or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but I remember our our dad carried it around, and he carried it in his pocket with him every day. And I asked him one time about why he did that, and he said because anytime I reached in his pocket and felt it, he would rub it between his fingers and pray over us, his kids. And he did that every day for at least 10 or 15 years to the, to the point that he rubbed the face of the coin off. Like the oils in his skin tarnished the coin to the point that it, it rubbed the writing off. So like that became a symbol to him. Yeah. Um, and that, that was like, that was deeply impactful to his spiritual life as as a father as a father embracing that role that god had given him yeah uh and so you also might have these uh individual symbols in your own life that potentially could uh lead to you being a traditionalist and and embrace them yeah for sure don't don't run away from them because of the name yeah like embrace it we all are some level of this yeah we are structured people who do the same things. Like we all are traditionalists to some extent. And God is a traditionalist to some extent. I mean, he set up systems for how he was to be worshiped in the old Testament. Absolutely. 
like that is how he chose to do it. Yeah. So don't run away from from these things. I think I, I think we need to be careful when we say, you know, when God instructed people to set up the tabernacle or the temple, each one of those stations or symbols are reflecting Jesus. Because I, I don't think that. But I do think they're important. God cared about what they symbolize. They're symbols for some greater character or attribute of God. I mean, what's the greatest symbol that sat in the tabernacle that that we have? That we still have? Well, we don't have it, but it yeah. it's the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, so that's I was gonna say the Ark, but I, I think the showbread's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean so yeah, but but the Ark, right? Like that is a symbol. Well, even to some extent, the the Ten Commandments, yeah, oh, Aaron's of staff, of like course, all like of it, those are symbols, yeah. Uh, and if so, to another point, if you if you come from uh, a Catholic background, you might call these relics, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. There's scriptural basis for this. Yeah. Go read Acts 19 for all of our non-Catholic friends. Go read Acts 19 and see that people are being healed. By Paul's prayer cloth. Yeah. Not by Paul, by the cloth that he held when he prayed. So this is a, a good time for me to tell this story. Um, when it, when we were overseas, um, we, we visited this cathedral um, in Germany. Um, and we, we walked through it. We had been through probably, um, I don't know couple dozen at this point um and and we get to this one specifically and it was just different and what was different about this one is it it actually has one of jesus's robes probably the one that the the um the soldiers gambled over or at least that's what they're saying that's what they say and i believe it okay and the reason i believe it is because it was just very different Mm. you know like there's a door right there. The people off camera can't see it. But you step through the threshold. You come into the room. And okay. The, Where the robe is? Well, general area. Okay. Um, because it's a cathedral. It's massive, right? Well, yeah. But you step through the front door and everything changes. Oh. I stepped through those front doors and I got chills from head to toe. Wow. I'm, I'm telling you, dude, there's something different. There is something to relics and there is something to symbols. Yeah, and we we as Protestants, we haven't gotten to experience this yeah. because we were so afraid of the iconography yeah. of the Roman Catholic Church and the idolatry of paganism that we just said we're going to scrap it all and we're going to be... So um, the word for this, for my church history nerds, is called primitive we are primitive in our approach to expressing worship to God. We use Bible and songs is basically what we do. And we kind of just threw everything else out, even though they're powerful. Yeah. And I think we're, we're starting to see some of those come back into the church, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, that's symbols. And lastly, the traditionalist uh, value sacrifice. Um, and this I want to talk about because uh, 
Sacrifice is important. Yeah. Like people mention sacrifice all throughout the Bible. There are three different types of sacrifice in the Old Testament. Paul calls us to be a living sacrifice in Romans. Like sacrifice is a biblical value. Don't think that it's not. It's also the thing that gets the traditionalist in trouble. Yeah. Because they feel that they've sacrificed. And so they judge people who don't sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and sure. so that that's what's gotten them in trouble. Um, and we need to be careful for that. But we all... Well... I was going to say something. I actually think I need to change it, but actually it's not true. We all probably don't experience sacrifice as a Christian, but we should. What do you mean by that? So uh, there are some expressions of Christianity that don't really think you have to give anything up to be Mm. a Christian. Right. Um, That's probably not true. Yeah. There are some things that you need to purge your life of that are not not because you have to, but because you need to, to enhance your relationship with God. I mean, I think a perfect example of that would be Jesus and the rich man, right? What do I have to do to follow you? Well, sell all your stuff, give the money to the poor, and come follow me. Yeah, I think that's an interesting text that you bring up there um, because we often see him when he calls disciples. He says, follow me. Mm-hmm. And we're told that they do leave everything, mm-hmm. right? So that we saw that in Levi. Uh, we see that in several other people. And, but it's also unique that we always seem to see Jesus having a boat around when he needs one. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at you, Peter, the fisherman. <laughs> like, Jesus, you're probably still using the assets that of some of your disciples. You right. always seem to have a boat available when you want one. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting that you bring that one up because his stuff had become the thing he wasn't willing to sacrifice. Right. It's not to say that you have to sell all your stuff exactly. or you have to give the ultimate sacrifice, but it is to say that if you found something that you're not willing to sacrifice for Jesus, You've probably missed it. And you probably need to do something about it. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think another aspect of sacrifice that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, that falls under the, the uh, some of the high church models, but that would be um, a form of um, penance for some. Um, okay, so walk that out. So a, a lot of the time from, from within my experience with, with uh, like uh, confession and, okay. and people going to confession is that uh, doing your penance is sacrificing your time. Um, oh, it's sacrificing yeah. okay. of yourself and you're things yeah. that, that you could Other otherwise things, be doing. Yeah. Um, and, and at other times it you will get a charge from your confessor saying, well, you need to give that thing up. Right. You need to do something about this to change. Right. Um, and I think that that's really important. Um, now we, we don't at Wellhouse, we're not, um, in, in this same model, but, 
Um, if you do come from that tradition, that's a, a, a form of sacrifice that falls with the traditionalist. Yeah, yeah, that's a very viable form of sacrifice. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. Now, um, a couple things here as we close. Gary always includes a couple of like things to watch out for based on your your pathway, and I think he has one here. We already talked about judging others, mm. uh, which is one of his, but. There's another one here that I want to highlight and hit on, which is um, practicing God without knowing God. Mm. When you are a traditionalist, you have the temptation to do all the right things, but never actually have the experience with God. Wow. The tradition or the structure, the rigidity is in place so that you have some way to experience God. Yeah. But so often that last part gets removed from the equation. Right. We don't experience God in the tradition. And so we just do the tradition for the sake of the tradition, yeah. which is what we don't want to do. Any of these things we want to be used as tools to better experience God. And if you are a person that identifies with the traditionalist, that is great. Yeah. Just be careful that you're worshiping God, not the tradition. Amen. Couldn't have said it better. That's just on on point. Well, thanks, guys, for coming with us. Um, if you are a traditionalist, it's not a bad thing. Embrace it. Embrace it. Um, but also, as we keep going through the, these next, I don't know, six pathways, mm-hmm. keep six listening, keep, keep working through with us, and start trying to find other pieces that you might identify with yeah also if you haven't listened to it go back and listen to the sensate go back and listen to the naturalist um and and maybe try to find some other ways absolutely yeah and feel free to pick up gary's book he has he has assessments in the back of every chapter to for you to answer to help tally up your scores to figure out which one is best uh suited for you definitely do that All right. Thanks so much, everyone.